Keep 100% of your claim. If you've been hurt in a road accident that wasn't your fault, you should really talk to G4 Claims first. Unlike road accident solicitors, we don't charge you for our services, which could see you better off. To keep 100% of your compensation, have a chat with Nicole and the team. You'll be glad you did. Search online for G4 Claims. Keep 100% of your claim. G4 Claims. And welcome back to another episode of Day Stefano Talks, Talking Scottish Football. This is season two, episode four. Utterly unreal to be saying that. It's, you know, it does not feel like we are four episodes in, but here we are, and we are here to recap all the weekend's action from the Premier Sports Cup. And no amount of times that I say the Premier Sports Cup is it going to sound at all right to me because it just is an absolutely awful competition, then. I, I don't know what you guys think, but uh, I. It, absolutely does matter and that it's called the Premier Sports Cup. On the podcast today we are joined as always by Declan. Dick, how are you doing mate? I'm good mate, how are you? I am, I'm okay, a wee bit tired but we'll get there. Also on the pod it is Stevie, Stevie how are you doing? I am alright, good um, to be making my, my first appearance this season, hey, glad to be part of the team and looking forward to it mate. Ah, glad to have you on Um, and also for the first time it is Jay, Jay how are you doing? I'm fine, Stefan. Thanks very much for having me on. No, pleasure, mate. Quite a few games to, to look through over the weekend. Uh, I should probably just start where the, the cup action started. Just before that, Premier Sports Cup. What are we saying to the name? Dreadful. Horrible. Um, just like the coverage a wee bit. Aye, not a fan. Uh, Deck, what about yourself, mate? What do you think? I mean, I don't really look too much into what the name is. I'm the same as Stevie. I'm used to calling it, you know, what it used to be called, but... I'm not too bored. It's silverware at the end of the day and it's another trophy for for us and other teams to try and win. There it is. Jay, what about yourself, mate? It's still the CIS Cup for me. <laughs> oh, that's that's right back. That's that's how we are. I don't know, I just I just felt like the the former name, I'm not gonna say it because obviously it was a betting company, not not promoting gambling. Um but I that just rolled off the tongue for me. Whereas this one, uh, I had to really think about what I was saying there. I heard, I heard the wee pause before you said it. It was just like to make sure you got it right. I have to do the same every time as well. Oh, it's, it is brutal. Right, okay, let's get right into the action. It was a sort of five-star performance from Rangers on Friday as they decimated Dunfermline 5-0. Uh, Jay, obviously you are our uh, resident Rangers fan. Uh, were you at the game? I was supposed to be going, this is a long story, so I'm going to make it very short. I recently moved into Glasgow, and yep. I'm in a flat share. I was supposed to meet my dad at the game, and I locked myself out of my room. <laughs> so, I did manage to watch the game in, in its entirety in my flat kitchen until I was able to get my spare key. So, not going anymore into that, it was a comfortable night for the Premiership champions. It's not going to raise the mood after Tuesday night, but it was great to see us resembling any sort of form from last season. Yeah, uh, I think these were, um, I think Rangers actually, you know, when you'd seen the scoreline, um, you know, Dunfermline did not, 
you know, put up much, much of a fight. And, you know, how could you just look like the Rangers were so relentless? Calvin Bassey was flying balls into the box, you know, left centre. Unbelievable. Um, who Obviously, you watched the game, so who would, who would you say your man of the match was? Well, obviously, the goal scorer's roof, um, right, and Hadji will take the plaudits, but for me, it was Calvin Bassey. He rightly got man of the match, I thought. Um, Shirley Bassey, as my dad unironically calls him now, um, he was superb, and I think he's going to give Gerard a real headache over that left-back spot, because... For the cross for Hadji in particular was something Barisic would have been proud of himself. Yeah, I think I think we've all been so used to um, hearing you know Borna Barisic be so you know um, consistent down that left hand side for Rangers and always firing balls, decent balls into the box. You know, a great set piece taker. Um, so it definitely does give Gerard a headache. Stevie, what about yourself? What did what did you think of Rangers and the, the performance on Friday night? I mean, obviously, after the, the disappointment of uh, the tie against Malmo, they would have been looking to bounce back. And they started the first half on fire, going in at halftime 4-0. And then you could, you could just see after that, it was um, like a wee bit of training exercise for them. They just went on to cruise control a wee bit and managed to get, get the fifth goal in the second half. And then I would be pleased it was important to get a win for them and, and to get goals as well as... As uh, Jay's touched on there, uh, the performance of Calvin Bassey, it lets them know that they've got another option at left-back should, should any injury to Barisic happen. So he'll be a steady replacement if needed. Yep, no, definitely. Dick, what about yourself? Who, was Calvin Bassey your standout on Friday night or uh, did you find someone else? No, I think he probably was. He was kind of instrumental in anything Rangers were doing. You know, from watching the game back, I think... Near enough, every cross he put in the box was was troubling the Dunfermline defence, and you know it was it was always going to be a tough ask for Dunfermline going to Ibrox, so coming up against some wounded bears, pardon the pun. But um, yeah, so it was pretty much expected from from my, like from me anyway that that you know they were going to go there and get a a doing, and I think that uh, Rangers depth, you know, despite their kind of slippery bit of form that we've been going through the now I think their depth and their quality will probably just shine through anyway and they'll, they'll manage to bounce back and you know albeit them firm and I think that they were they were superb and you can't really ask for much more if you're a Rangers fan to to bounce back with a 5-0 win is, is all you can ask for so I think they'll be delighted Gee um, just a couple of things I want to touch on with you obviously you are our our Rangers fan um, on the pod today, so it'll be good to tap into this. Uh, Lundstrom, when he signed for Rangers, um, people were saying that this this was a great signing, um, but he didn't. He's not really had the the best of starts. Does this goal then? You know, is this a, the point where it turns around for him and he he can start becoming a a real asset to Rangers? Well, I certainly hope so because I thought in pre season he'd done really well, but ever since he's played domestic fixtures. He struggled quite a lot and, you know, it got to the point you're thinking, like, what was this guy bringing to the team? I think you could make a case for two of the goals we shipped um, in the past week against Malmo. The first goal in Malmo, no, the second goal in Malmo, sorry. And then the goal in uh, at Tannadice. I could make a case for him being at fault for both of them, but I was going to touch on that. It should do his confidence a world of good after another. It was Bassey again that set him up and he smashed it off the bar after a 
great build-up from our other man of the match, Graham Dorns. Uh, managed to slip through Bassi with a terrible pass in his own defensive third. But yeah, hopefully Lundstrom can really kick on now because I think there is a player in there. And obviously, Rangers, um, obviously they went out to Malmo uh, last, last midweek. Um, I've heard a lot of people saying that Rangers um, would have budgeted for the, the Europa League. Do you agree with that or do you think Rangers would have went full steam ahead and budgeted for the Champions League? I think there's got to be a touch of realism. Obviously, it's disappointing, especially losing to a team like Malmo when you've seen the results we've had in Europa League against much bigger teams with bigger budgets like of Porto, Feyenoord. We went toe to toe with them, and it was a horrible, both horrible games. I think Rangers have got to be realistic. We had this honeymoon period where we think, oh, we've got all these great players and all these great assets, and we all have to send, sell them eventually. But right now, they're here. This could very well be a massive blow with this Champions League exit. We do have assets that can be sold, and I think it is inevitable we are going to lose a few of them. Who? who? But that's just the reality. <laughs> Um, can you just mute for a second just ask this question oh there we go um, who in your eyes then do you see uh, Rangers losing then uh, Morelos Ken Camara-esque or, or you know some others right now the likely candidates are the ones who haven't signed a new deal so that's Camara and Goldson there's still a lot of doubt hanging over their heads I think to see any of them go Ryan Kent this season for me has been very poor and you probably saw that video of him at Tardis where he like does a little pirouette and just runs into the boy and loses the ball. I saw Celtic fans were enjoying that. It, it, would, it would be terrible to lose any of them, but I think Kent, Goldson, Kamara and Morelos, it, it could be any of them. Hopefully just the one would be enough to see us recoup some sort of finance on the Champions League exit. I wouldn't probably... Who would, I hate to say this, I think we could afford to lose Morelos. I think last season, although he popped up with a couple of important goals, it wasn't the 20-goal season we came to expect of him from his first two years. And I think with Itten, Sakala, Defoe, Chipman, Kamar Roof looks like a wonderful finisher. I saw that from his first goal in particular, and he took his penalty really well the other night. As much as I love the guy, we all love him at Ibrox. I think we could afford to lose Morelos, unfortunately. Okie doke. Um, right, we've spoke at length about Rangers, you know, the demolition of uh, Dunfermline, a little bit about their, their Champions League exit into the Europa League, uh, etc. Let's let's move on then to uh, the next game on the card, which was Livingston versus St Mirren. Um, Stevie, I'll, I'll come to you for this one. Did you, and oh, I mean obviously it was 1-1, but Livingston won 4-3 on penalties. Um was that a result you you foreshadowed that you, that you saw coming? I mean, I think at the start of the season there was a lot of people tipping St Mirren to do, to do really well, but I don't seem to think that they've started uh, that good. And then on the contrary, you look, you look at Livingston, um, people were tipping them to go down, and uh, you take that plastic pitch into consideration. Uh, it was always going to be a tight game. Uh, so I think you could have probably foreshadowed a draw there, and then for uh, Liberty to go through in the lottery that has penalties, uh, they would have been pleased with, but I don't think when they seen the draw, they would have been too thankful for that, but no, aye, I think you could have expected that game to be tight, um, and Liberty just managed to edge it on pens. 
what about yourself, Dick? Was that a result you saw coming? Obviously, the the one one, but uh, so disregard the penalties. But did you think there was going to be a favourite going into that tie? Not at all. I mean, on paper, you're probably thinking St Mirren are a stronger side, but you know, away to Livingston and as Stevie said about the the pitch and stuff, it was always going to be one of them ones where you looked after the game and you weren't really surprised if either team went through. Um, you know, Livingston probably did just edge it, but I know that St Mirren did have a few chances that they failed to make pay and. I think that's uh, it was Wayman Brophy. He had a chance. I think he was one on one, and he and he missed. And that's kind of, you know, expect. Well, I don't want to say expected from because I still think he has a good sign and a good player for them. But he, he's not the most clinical. Hmm. So, um, I think obviously they failed to make pay, and, and they were obviously inevitably punished for it. And you know, Levy's Levy's men stood up to the task, especially their goalkeeper, who made a few very good saves and I think he made a couple of good saves in the penalty shootout as well which you know after last week would have been brilliant to see for Martindale and it'll be a positive going forward for him and for the team so um, it wasn't surprising to see them going through and especially with it being a cup tie and going to penalties and stuff that you know it was kind of expected in a way Yeah um, no I, I agree with that I'm inclined to agree with that that uh... Uh, overview. Um, Jay, what about yourself? Did you see a favourite in this tie or um, are you surprised? No, I didn't see a favourite outright. Maybe St Mern were slight favourites, but it's a cup tie. Both teams, I think, on their day can match up against each other. Both managers uh, Red felt they could have won the game outright. Libby had a few good chances in the counter-attack. And had, as Dick mentioned, um, both had a great chance, in particular for St Mern. And again, Striek, what a redemption after last week when he dropped an absolute clanger to give Aberdeen the three points. He saved two penalties in the shootout, so David Martindale will be ecstatic with that, and that's Levy reached their third League Cup quarterfinal um, in three years on a draw. It's, a, it's an amazing achievement for a club of that stature and that budget. No, definitely agree with that. Um, you know, I think David Martindale, uh, we were on the podcast last last season absolutely waxing lyrical about him because of how good a job he was doing at Livingston um up until like the the League Cup final against St Johnston. So um a lot he's had a lot of doubters this season but I, I think that result can really, you know, um fire Livingston on. And obviously Stryak, what a confidence booster that is. You know, you if you're a goalkeeper and you, you make the clangor that you did, you sometimes you wonder about them. Will that completely kill any confidence? And see, will you see more sort of clangers for them? But what a way to respond! Um, Livingston obviously threw on penalties. Let's move to our next game, which was Air United versus Dundee United. Um, surely there was uh, Dundee United were favourites going into this one, Dick. Yeah, I mean, looking at the game, I thought. Dundee United would take care of business quite comfortably, but you know, with, with the cup games, you just never know. I know it's a, a cliche that we say all the time, but um, they were actually really poor. And, and I think with Benjamin Segrist getting man of the match, it kind of tells the tale of how the tie went. Um, I think that you know, Air took the lead early on, and they kind of they actually did control the game. And I, I think that you know, without Segrist. Dundee United could have been 
you know, two or three down, which, you know, is su- surprising to really think of. But obviously when you have a, go- a goalkeeper of that quality, you know, someone that's been linked to the likes of Celtic and moves away to England and stuff like that, then that that's the kind of positive you can take with, you know, someone like that that can keep you in ties. And that's what, you know, some teams, the likes of Celtic, were missing last season. Mm. Um, but I think Martin, I think, um, sorry, Hopkin was, you know, furious with the decision, you know, to, to concede a penalty late on, which he thought was never a penalty. And I think at that point, you know, Dundee United would have, would have got a bit of confidence from that and they obviously took that into the shootout and managed to get the job done narrowly. But I think that, you know, going forward, Dundee United will need to improve. And I know they had that good result against Rangers last week, but I always felt like, you know, when one of the teams that are lower in size and stature and the SPFL play against the big two, they always kind of are on a come down like the week after. So they'll, they'll need to avenge that performance quite quickly. Stevie, what about yourself? Yeah, um, everybody was obviously making a, a big deal about the fact that they lost Lord and Shankland to Dundee United to Bershot in Belgium. But you look at Nicky Clark, he gets on the, the score sheet for them, um, which will be good for his confidence. But I, I want to touch on what Earl did, because obviously they were down to... A ten men um quite early on in the game given the fact they went in the extra time. But they actually kept all their substitutes for the extra time and made five substitutes in extra time. So uh, quite good tactically for them to take it to penalties, but ultimately I think then the United's quality um showing through in the penalty shooter and, and they managed to get through. Jay, what about yourself? We were always gonna have one controversial game and I think this one came the closest. Obviously, there was no highlights package, but I did manage to find a Dundee United fans vlog and it was right behind the penalty incident. And I know it's not the best view, but I couldn't see anything in it. And I think from seeing that, David Hopkins uh, has got a right to um, hold a little grievance with referee Nick Walsh. By all accounts, they were the much better side. United were poor. Um, I agree with Dick. I saw that coming after they beat Rangers last week. These teams, when they host the old firm, especially play the occasion and that with the fans that let them rise to it, and then it's back to reality. But they got the job done in the end, and that's all that matters. And Secret also saved two penalties and was the hero on the show. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'd, it's what I sort of could see coming, um, you know, that big result against Rangers last weekend, and then um, obviously the, the performance against Air in the Cup. Um, that's it, just the way football works sometimes. Um, let's move on to Mother uh, Dundee versus Motherwell. Steve, oh no! Dying to talk about this one. Uh, no. An entertaining game of football. Um, let Let's start off with you then. Uh, thoughts on the game overall? Going into the game, I was really, really confident because although I've only managed to pick up one point from six in the, in the available in the two games in the week. I thought he played really well against Tibbs and uh, we should have probably taken more from the game against St. Johnson. So I was really confident getting into a game against a Dundee side that are leaking goals left, right and centre. And then you see the team before the start of the game. 
and uh, Kevin Van Bain, who has been absolutely brilliant for us since he came in. I just think he bullies defenders, and he looks as if he's got a bit of goal in him as well. So, uh, but he had picked up a knock; he wasn't playing. And then you look at a back four, two of them haven't played any minutes in pre-season. So it was to me, it looked as if Alexander was just trying to use the League Cup to get these boys minutes. And I'm sorry, but I'm a Motherwell supporter. I don't want to see. My team just uh, throwing away an opportunity, uh, one of your best opportunities at, at getting some silverware. Um, and it was a complete inept performance, apart from Connor Shields hitting the bar, we did nothing. And Liam Donnelly managed to make Charlie Adam look quick, which is quite an achievement. So you're, you're not impressed with, with Graham Alexander after that then? Not, not his approach to the game, no. Um, I would have started the young boy... If O'Donnell was injured, there was a start of the young boy, Max Johnson. He's played minutes in pre-season. Um, there's a lot of talk about him being the next big thing from right back. So I would have stuck him in. And, and I would just have kept the centre-back partnership of McGabby um, and Lamy going into the game uh, to give us a better chance. Um, but no, I'm not impressed. Because it seems to me as if his plan A doesn't work, then he doesn't have a plan B. To be honest, that's very much the impression that I get with Graham Alexander. Don't get me wrong, his plan A since he came in has, has often worked for him, but uh, no, that was a, it was a very, very poor performance. And there's something that we do from corners, Stefan, that really annoys me. We put everybody back into the box. Now, if we clear that, it's coming right back in on top of us. Why not leave one of your strikers up, a corner shield, somebody with pace, to, to drag one of the defenders out? And with the amount of corners that we were conceding, it was only a matter of time before Charlie Adam or Paul McMillan uh, put it on somebody's head, and that's ultimately what happened We we Ashcroft getting the goal. Okay, uh, Dick, what about yourself? Was was this a uh, was that a surprising result for you, or what, what's your thoughts? This was another game that I thought where you know two teams can match each other on their day, and either one can kind of come out, and you know Dundee at home, I think. On paper, I did fancy them. They've got creative players. You know, I think they will be fine this season. I've said that before. I like Sir Charlie Adam, Paul McMullen, even Cummings, who's played at like a decent level, obviously, in the SPFL with Hibs and stuff like that. And is a good kind of guy you have in the ranks to score your goals. And I think that, you know, if he's playing two new centre backs that, well, maybe not so much new, but like just that they've not had so much minutes. It's it's a bit of a risk to take and it almost does give me the impression that, you know, Motherwell like they're kinda maybe overlooking the League Cup, which I don't understand from a Motherwell perspective because as I was saying earlier, you know, silverware is silverware. Mm. And um especially with two teams in this country who are, let's be honest, heads and shoulders above everyone else in terms of finance, stature and even success, you'd think that, you know, you'd, you'd want to take every chance you could to try and gain some silverware and what would be perceived as, you know, the, the less glorified cup out of, you know, the other two with, with the league and the Scottish Cup. So I think Motherwell probably did get what they deserved and, you know, Dundee were unlucky not to take the lead early in the game with Cummings and, they got their rightful rewards late on with Lee Ashcroft and, you know, Paul McMullen, who I think is quite underrated. Uh, 
was the provider and, uh, and it's kind of no surprise to me when you know I, you give a player like that time and space to, to swing balls in and he's going to hurt you at some point and, and that's what happened so I'm, I'm not overly surprised with Dundee going through um, G what, what about yourself? Well, I don't know about um, both uh, the old fun being head and shoulders above when it comes to domestic competitions because we have been absolutely rank rotten for the past 10 years in them. And Motherwell only have to look to the last season. I know Celtic obviously dominated the four years prior, but Motherwell have a very good recent history in the League Cup and the Scottish Cup. So I can understand Stephen's frustration. Um, Motherwell was my local team. I know it's terrible support Rangers. And all my friends are Motherwell fans and they... Love nothing more than there to Hamden, and even just a glimmer of success, a bit of hope. And I can understand why they'd be frustrated, especially with Graham Alexander's approach and to lose on a, at a ground that they haven't lost at since 2016, I believe. So, but all credit to Dundee, of course, Lee Ashcroft getting the goal with a header. They'll, they'll, yeah, I think, again, it's a cup tie. They have a way to St. Johnson, or they're at home at St. Johnson, sorry, in the next round. Who knows? Dundee. Their fans probably been starved even more of trips to Hamden. They might fancy in their chances. Yeah, I was more meaning, in, obviously, in terms of like domestic honours, like Celtic and Rangers are, are probably oh, well yeah, in front. Of course, but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. of course, what I'm saying. Yeah. We've not even came close in the last few years. But yeah, I get what you're saying. But it's a big opportunity for other clubs. Especially last few years since we went down, all our clubs have got trips, more trips to hand than we have. Definitely, I think I think we even seen that last season. You know, when we were both knocked out, it was it was totally there for the taking. And, and surely, from a Motherwell point of view, you've got to be kind of rubbing your hands together and thinking, "Oh, we've got a real chance." Because, like any other club that that were left in the other the competition last season, I thought they were all a match for each other on their day, as we've said a couple of times before. So. It's, it's, it's a tad disappointing thing to see. Stevie, um, just want to, to touch on um, 78 minutes, Ashcroft scores. Did, did When that goal went in, did you think at that time, right, well, that is it completely finished because there's no chance we're going to score again or we're going to score at all, rather? Yeah, we, we, could, have, we could have played for two days and no score. That's that's the kind of performance that we put in. Uh, we lacked energy in the midfield. We lacked a final pass in the final third. And it, it, I was watching the game, and it was it was only a matter of time. Now, don't get me wrong, see William Grimshaw. Although I said they hadn't played any minutes in pre-season, I think for the first 50, 60 minutes he was okay. But from then on, and it was so evident that he was knackered, he was leggy, and he just kept exploiting us down that side, winning corners, and they, they knew that's where they were going to get their success. And ultimately, it comes from a corner. Um, I still think that we need um, maybe one or two signings before the end of the window. Um, I would like to see us have more covered at right back and add another winger because we need we need somebody with a bit of creativity. That, that can get can get the balls into the front men for us. Um, but no, infuriating that we've thrown away we a chance at a cup running. Um, I here's hoping that we, that we bounce back with the result against Livingston this week. Let's move on. Um, Hibs took on Kilmarnock um, in a game that seems relatively straightforward for 
you know, for Hibernian, they it's a perfect way to to bounce back after the result. Uh, a way to Rijeka. I'm going to put my hat on that, and that's how you pronounce it. Um, so to get a two 0 result against Kilmarnock, progressing the the league cup. Uh, Jack Ross will be happy with that, won't he, Jay? Well, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it looks a straightforward result. Oh, and it probably was, but Kelly had a point to prove that they can still go head to head with the Premiership size, and he did manage to hold them until the second half. But Kyle McGuinness, with his third goal in three games, has turned into be a, a massive player for for Hibs and Kevin Nisbet doing what he does, and he grabbed the second. And what a start to the season Hibs have had! They'll really hope that they can get hopefully third place again for them, and maybe an R track at the cups this season after losing in two finals. And also, there was one final and a semi final. No, I think you make a great point. Is you know, uh, Hibs after winning the Scottish Cup in twenty sixteen, they've not really done anything in cup competitions. They have got to to semi finals, and then just last year they got to the the Scottish Cup final. But surely Jack Ross will now be looking to say, well, we don't have Europe to play for. The league will be important, but surely Hibs have got to go for a, a you know a league or a Scottish Cup. They've got to give it their all, don't they, Stevie? I mean, I, I would definitely say that, particularly when you look at the draw they've got. Dundee United, I think they'll be fancying their chances to come through in that one. And um, one player that I'm really impressed with uh, in the start of the season is Kyle McGuinness. Um, obviously, he scored against us on the first day, and then I think Hibs actually struggled in the first half. Matt Macy making a great save from uh, Scott Robinson. And uh, McGuinness comes out right at the start of the second half and manages to get a goal and then and then hibs it off. So I think that they've got, you look at the squad, they've got Nisbet, they've got Boyle, McGuinness, even players like Jamie Murphy. I think they've got a lot of players that can hurt teams. So if they can keep it tight at the back and if they can keep a hold of a Josh Doig, uh, which remains to be seen, then I think that they can be a challenge for anybody this season. Dick, what about yourself? Initially, I thought this was going to be probably the the tie that would maybe, I don't know if it would catch many people by surprise, but I thought it was a sticky one for Hibs. Just coming off, you know, getting beaten Europe during the week and the confidence might have been knocked and tiredness and stuff like that. I thought that, it, you know, it would have been a tough game for them, especially because, you know, I think Kilmarnock are strong and I think they will probably bounce back up. They've got good players like Ewan Murray, Robinson from Livingston they got who I thought was a good cut for them and um, I did think that they would have posed a real, a real test and you know they can be optimistic because I think they played some good stuff and and to say that you know Hibs fully deserved it would, would be fair because they have so much quality as Stevie was saying there like and they will be pushing to finish third in the table this year but I just think that with um, uh, you know Doig maybe going Hanlon's out injured I think it's quite long term uh, Doidge is out injured now quite long term it's it's time to be concerned if you're a Hibs fan I think and you know if they can manage to get McGuinness to keep going the way he is and Nisbet if he stays then I, I think they will get close but I just think that you know I don't I don't know what they're gonna do this season just because just because the potential departures and, and injuries and stuff. Yep. No, I mean I, I think that's a fair a fair summary. Um, you know, losing Josh Doig would 
would be a massive blow uh, because he is he is a, a really really good player um, and someone that I, I thought you know teams at Celtic or Rangers would actually have been looking into to maybe to bring him in but um, yeah a massive a massive blow and you know they could could still lose Kevin Nisbet so um, it's a good result but it, it does cause it does give Jack Ross sort of cause for concern for the season ahead with players being out injured, so I know that's a fair point. Um, let's move on to the game of the you know the weekend, uh, arguably the cup set, not even arguably the cup set, it was a cup set. Uh, Wraith Rovers, uh, two Aberdeen, one. Uh, did anybody give Wraith a chance? Because I'm not going to lie, I, I didn't. Um, Stevie, I watched the game live, and I, it was. You hear the cliche, a game of two halves. This, this was a game that encapsulated that uh, in a nutshell. Aberdeen came out in the first half to get a great strike from J. Emmanuel Thomas, who's had a, a bit of a sticky start to his, his time at Pataudry, but no, it was a great strike for him. And they could have added to that, but it, to me it kind of felt in the first half that when they scored, they just felt that they were so comfortable in the possession, they were dominating the ball. And I think the fact that they never got that second goal before half time gave Rafe the, the kick up the backside that they needed going into the second half. And they came out the second half a completely different team. They get the goal early on. Um, and then before you know it, it's a real cup tie again. And Dario Zanata manages to nip in in front of Jack Gurr and um, put them through. So I, I think Aberdeen will be disappointed that they've lost that one because it was almost a game when you look at the first half performance that they had in the palm of their hand and they let it slip. The, the goal from Zanata, Dario Zanata, um, you know, was it Josh Gerd, did you say? Jack. Jack, Jack Gerd. Jack Gerd. Um, you know, that, that is that schoolboy defending. Um, I know it was on his, his sort of line side, but mm-hmm. even still, he took far too long to even... The- get rid of that um massive blow for for steven glass deck um if you're an aberdeen fan you're surely concerned at that yeah i mean you've got to be um that's i don't think they could have really asked for a better tie uh, in the round maybe them at home instead you could argue but you know to lose that is is as a cause for concern um, I think Aberdeen had it was a classic European hangover. They just come out the traps. They scored a good goal through the jet, and then in the second half they just looked kind of dead on their feet. And Wraith were probing, and you know it was a matter of time before they got back into the game, which they did, and it was it was fully deserved for me. Um, going forward, I think it's all about you know glass. Keeping keeping the head within in the camp, trying to, you know, not get not get themselves too down. And they've got a big season coming up under him. They've got good players. I think they they will be all right and stuff like that. And I think obviously as I was saying about Hibs, if if they're going to lose key men, you know, with Dodge being injured for a couple of months, I think it was three months, and then they're going to even rely on Nisbet even more so now. And it's not even a guarantee if he will stay. So. It's, they've, they've still got so much to play for, so it's all about, you know, Stephen Glass trying to keep the confidence and the spirits high because they have got potential to have a good season still. Chi, um, what was your thoughts on the game? 
Well, I thought this could have been the most interesting tie of the round. Um, Rafe Rovers, they always have the potential to mix it up. They always have a great history in this competition. After that result, it's the first time they've reached the quarterfinal of the League Cup since 1994, when they actually won the thing. Guess who they beat in the final? And, uh, yeah, from Aberdeen point of view, I think we're very disappointed, especially because it was a much-changed onside. And as we mentioned earlier, before, teams like Motherwell, it's a great opportunity to have some silverware for a for a massive club in Scottish football. They missed the likes of Brown and Ferguson from the starting eleven. Starting eleven, sorry, eleven. My turn. I'm turning to James McCarthy here. And uh, so, but all credit goes to John McGlynn's side. They, they came back from an absolutely stunning goal from the J. I mean, can we just take a second to appreciate that goal? That was that was superb. But Aberdeen, they lost. Two pretty poor goals, but Rafe Rovers won't care about that in the slightest, and they were dancing in the streets of Rafe, I imagine. Let's just touch touch on that, you. Um, you mentioned Scott Brown and Lewis Ferguson were missing from the start. 11, as you put it. Um, Scott Brown said in his interview with Sky before the start of the season um, that he went to Aberdeen to try and win them trophies. Um it's not really worked out for him, has it, Stevie? <laughs> well, no. Um, but they've still, they've still got a chance at the Scottish Cup. And listen, they've started the league really well. And I'm not for one second suggesting that Aberdeen are going to go and win the league. That, that's a, a pipe dream, I think. But I think they will be, as the boys have said, gutted that they've got that chance of um, silver will slip through their fingers or the chance that silver will slip through their fingers and... I expect a reaction from them in the Scottish Cup. And to have players like Scott Brown in your squad um, and the likes of Lewis Ferguson with they 2 no starting, it does show the strength and depth that Aberdeen had because I still thought uh, up to the equaliser that they looked really comfortable yesterday. So I, I do think that there will be uh, plenty of opportunities uh, for Aberdeen this season, especially in the Scottish Cup. And I put it this way, I tip them. They'll get to the semi-finals in the Scottish Cup. There you go. I'm calling it now. That would be a failure of if they don't at least get to the semi-final and they've been. No, no, the... that's probably a good point. Sorry, Dick. No, no, I'm just just adding in on that. I think that obviously with Glass coming in and as Brown and a few other Aberdeen players have been quoted to saying they're here to win silverware. So if they're getting knocked out this early in the League Cup and they don't make a proper run and at least get to the semi or the final of the Scottish Cup, you know, it, I. I I think Aberdeen fans will be disappointed if if that if that's obviously the remit. So, you know, if that doesn't happen, then is that is that a disappointment? Even if they do finish third, was there a hint of arrogance in Steve Glass's um, selection? Because leaving out players like Scott Brown and Lewis Ferguson, arguably two of your best uh, midfielders, I think there's a little bit of arrogance involved there as if, well, it's only Wraith Rovers, you know, we don't need to play these players. Or, you know, was it a case of we're just back from Europe, give these players a rest? Probably a bit of both, to be honest. You know, without Brown and Ferguson, Aberdeen should still have enough quality to to overcome Wraith. <clears throat> so they got what they fully deserved. And I also think that it was a matter of the players overlooking Wraith as well, because when the Jets scored, I think... Fatigue did play a part, but I also think that Aberdeen thought they would have the game won and they would see it out, and it came back to bite them. Let's move on to our Broth versus St Johnston. 
Uh, St Johnston just knocked out of Europe uh, in midweek by Galatasaray. Looks like Galatasaray um, came to Perth and just decided they weren't messing around this week. Um, St Johnston, European hangover maybe, or both. It was 2-2 and then obviously St Johnston went on to win um, on penalties but certainly surely nobody expected our both to, to be you know, end the game uh, 2-2 with St Johnston, uh, Jay. Yeah, I think that was a classic case of a hangover. They really got a shock there from Arbroath. Dick Campbell can really rise his team when they play at Gayfield. And St Johnson did equalisers in normal and extra time from Glenn Middleton and Jamie McCart to manage to take it into uh, the penalties. So, but all they'll care is that they're through after that European hangover. And we've got a big game on Thursday night in the playoff round of the, the Conference League when they'll play Lask from Austria. I believe they were in Man United's group in the Europa League a couple of years ago. So if they can produce a similar level of performance that they had in Turkey, I fancy St Johnson to progress into the Conference League. But all they matter from this game is that they're through the next round and hope, hopefully they'll be looking to retain the trophy. Stevie, did you foresee our both taking St Johnston right to the, the wire? You're probably going to think I'm talking rubbish here, but Yes, I, I would have expected a tight game there. I think when you think that St Johnson will play Galatasaray uh, on Thursday night, you go into a game against Arbroath away at Gayfield in a tight pitch with that sea breeze coming in. Uh, Dick Campbell's team is always going to make it tough for you. So I think St Johnson will be really, really happy that they managed to progress um, through, to the, through to the quarterfinals. And uh, they're not quite letting go of that cup just yet. Dick, what's the realistic chance of St Johnston retaining either the League Cup or the Scottish Cup or even both? I mean, I doubt very much so that they'll they'll retain both, but you know they should believe in themselves that they can they can make a claim for either. You know, I think in terms of the Arbroath result, Davidson will just want to move on quickly. It was all about getting the job done. Stevie made a good point about, you know, you're coming back for Europe. Um, you know, two legs whereby it would have took a lot out of the players. They have to go to Gayfield on the weekend and a tough pitch, a tough away day for for, you know, really anyone. And and to just overcome it and get through would have been the main thing for, for Davidson. In terms of them going on winning either cup, like who who really knows, to be honest. I think they, they should believe in themselves. They've showed glimpses of a real sturdy quality side they can be. Um, they went over to Turkey and, you know, albeit they were backs to the wall for a lot of the game, they, they put up a real a real fight and if they can perform at the, the highest level, then they can definitely go far, I think. You know, obviously, luck of the draw will play a part in that as well. But um, I just think that, you know, they want to move on quickly from that and not get too bogged down and they've got massive games coming up and and I do think that the players they've got now, if they manage to keep, you know, the likes of McCann, even McCart and 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 Kerr and you know players like that that really that make them a tough team to break down, I think that they, they will have a chance and and either either of the cups to be honest. Um, I think that Kerr will be off penalty duties, but considering he missed one in, in normal time and and he also missed one in the shootout, so. Um, interesting to see what happens with that but I think that you know St Johnson 
we'll just be happy they got through in the end. Yeah, um, I, I, I was going to make a joke there, I'm not going to bother. I was going to say, no, they will only care, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there and move on. Um, final game that we need to look at is Celtic versus Hearts. I've seen on Twitter it was dubbed as the most un-3-2 game you'll ever hear. If you didn't watch the game, you, you genuinely would think it you know, Hearts put up a decent performance. Um, from watching it, definitely isn't the case. Dick, um, thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, just spot on. I think two goals flared Hearts massively. Uh, they weren't in the game at all the first half. I think the first half stats were, you know, I think we had about 20 shots, maybe just under 10 on target. They had none. No shots on target, no shots in general, I don't think. They had about 20% possession they were just completely out of the game we were relentless, we came flying out the traps the way that Ange is really wanting us to play he, you know, as soon as we lose the ball hunting it back, I don't even think Hearts got out of their own half um, and we played some beautiful stuff and, and you know, it's it's good to eventually walk away from my ground saying to yourself, oh how good were we because it's been a long time even in the, in the year where the nine was done you know, you still weren't really. There was games where, like, the first game of the season when we hammered St. Johnson, you know, we played some great stuff, but there was a lot of the time you were walking away, like, oh, got the job done, but you, you weren't really all that excited. Whereas now you're walking away, you're buzzing, you can't wait to get back to see it again because it, it, it's, it's football the fans want to see, you know, hunting in packs to get the ball back. We're not giving them any time to breathe as soon as they were getting the ball. You know, it was just about clearing it and trying to get it as far away from their box as possible. Um, it should have been about six in the first half. And, you know, they were lucky for it not to be. And I think they were, you know, they couldn't wait for the halftime whistle to come. And in the second half, I think it was just, we came out, thought we had the job done and took the foot off the gas, you know, albeit we controlled the game. Um, still in the second half we, we weren't as relentless with our pressing um, you know we were just kind of all about managing the game and mm-hmm. then a, a slip in concentration you know a stonewall penalty in my opinion um, then gives them a way back into the game and they, they brought on Ginelli and I thought he was a real spark I thought he was the one that came on he did you could tell he was making a difference and stuff like that but I never felt overly worried that they were going to really come back and win or, you know, take us into deep water. And and it's just all about, as I said, getting the result done, getting, you know, through to the next round at this stage and, and building momentum and what's going to be a massive two weeks mm. for the club going into a huge European tie against, you know, the third best team in Holland and then obviously the old firm at the end of the month. So not to get carried away the now, we can only judge it from what's going on there now and all we, we can really be is positive because the performances have been put in and have been spectacular. Fans um, have been all in on Ange Postacoglu. Uh, you can see the reaction he gets when he comes out uh, into the stadium, uh, the applause, the cheers that he gets. But to you, from, from seeing Ange Postacoglu's reaction, how much has Ange Postacoglu sort of um, bought into the, the Celtic support? I think I think he loves it, you know. I think he came out and said he doesn't understand why why fans are on his side so much already because he's not done anything. And even like 
that comment. That's the mentality that we want. You know, a manager that's it's never going to stop. And, you know, and he's aware that, that nothing's been done yet and he just wants to keep going and improving. He speaks well in, in the media, you know, like anything to do with contracts and transfers gives nothing away. Just shows that he's purely focused on making the players better and, you know, improving the team, playing football that the fans want to see. And I think that he's definitely brought a style that, you know, matches the identity of Celtic Football Club. And as long as he does that, going forward, the fans will be on his side. Hmm. Uh, Kyogo Furuhashi, I know he's, he's, he's your Japanese boy. I know you love him. Uh, how good was he yesterday? Unbelievable again. Like, watched Slatter Club from last week, and I think this week too, and it'll, it'll happen throughout the rest of the season. It's just absolutely breathtaking to watch, to have someone that really has defenders on the ropes and always looks like a threat. You know, he's three steps ahead every time we're on the attack, making great runs in behind. He even came short a few times and he was throwing himself about. I think he was his physical attributes were questioned and... I don't think he'll be a problem at all. The same way the manager says it will not be a problem. It will not be a problem because he managed to handle it well. He was getting thrown about, but he was coming back for more, and he's got a real eagerness to succeed and and do well for us. And he, he seems to be another one that's that's buying into the cause. And you know, I think that as long as he does that, you know, fans buy into exciting players, and he's giving us all, and he's really making things click and giving us a different dimension up at the top end of the park. And, Yep. He will be a threat in this, this league. Uh, Stevie, how different are Celtic under Postacoglu compared to last season under Neil Lennon and then John Kennedy? Do you see this as a, as a Motherwell fan and, and think they, they could be, you know, they could take severe goals off us? What's your thought on Celtic? Just um, I think if you look at the in their Champions League exploits and then the way they started against Hearts, there was a few people worried, but to me as a neutral watching it, you could see that the manager had a style of play that he wanted to implement and you could see the way that he was trying to implement it. I just think the players were kind of trying to get taken up sweet towards the, towards the start of the season and now you're seeing the fruits of that level. They're, like, they're really, really exciting to watch for the start, I think. Um, people that have seen uh, Ange Postacoglu's teams in Japan and Australia have said that you should expect a lot of 3-2 games, a lot of 4 threes because his teams just love to attack. And it is, even as a neutral, it's really, really exciting to watch because it's just like, we'll go at you, you can come at us and we'll see who scores the best goals. But I want to make a point yep. on the team. I think that... Uh, you, you you look at your squad and you've got the likes of Tumble and there, McGregor. In your midfield, there's a lot of creative players. And I think there was times against Rangers last season where he's had a lot of the ball and he's dominated the game. Do you know what you didn't have last season? Someone that could run in behind, time his runs and stretch their defence. you know who that player is? Kyogo Furuhashi. He's unbelievable with timing his runs. His touch is brilliant and his vision in the final third is absolutely outstanding and I think he could be the difference in all Burnham games this season. Okay, um, Jay, I'm going to come to you then. Um, I'll give you a chance to respond to Stevie's comment first and then I'll, I'll ask you a question. 
Well, the old firm game and the end of the month is, is the real first big test domestically for Ange Postacoglu, the acid test, if you like. Celtic fans, I can tell the past week, have been very confident. They've obviously looked over at the other side of the city and saw that Rangers are no longer invincible domestically. Kyogo, even though I could admit, does look a player, as we say over here. Is, he's already match sharp, considering he was playing in Japan before he came over here. His timing of his runs, his movement in the box looks exceptional. He's scored a hat-trick on his home debut. He has missed a few chances, but he's always there in the right place. Yeah, we will have to keep our eyes on him. Um, like the Celtic fans have their eyes on Ange Postacoglu. Um, but yeah, 3-2, looking from the outside, Rangers fans might say, oh, it's Celtic, they've conceded two goals at home to a newly promoted team. But yeah, those two goals flattered hearts. Celtic were utterly dominant. Okay, um, are you are you worried at all about two weeks uh, against Celtic at Highbrooks? Because, and I'm, I'm asking this purely based on Malmo um, went down to 10 men at Highbrooks and I think that really uh, that really gave the crowd something to, to, to shout for because he's been in the lead at the time and could have went on to win more but obviously the result went the other way and Malmo scored two goals. Do you do you think that if 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 Celtic scored early, that the crowd won't get on the players' backs and, and and you know Rangers can sort of perform to it or yeah you know are you worried about any of that that aspect or anything like that happening? Um, yeah. Well, um, you know, being a Celtic fan, uh, home games for the old firm when things aren't going well, it can turn pretty nasty in the stands very quickly but there's been a lot of talk this season about Rangers if can they play in front of crowds both home and away I think that's a bit of a lazy excuse Rangers uh, we have seen a bit of defensive fragility so far this season but we've got a couple of games in between the old firm to European ties and away to Ross County at the weekend I think if Saturday, Friday night sorry is a, could be a platform we hopefully get us back to our best I don't think it will be as comfortable this season, but I still back Rangers to retain a title this year. Celtic, undoubtedly, there's been improvement there. But I still think there are defensive woes on that side as well. But it's no doubt it should be a cracker at the end of the month. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, so ju- just to clarify, you're, you're not worried then? Not in the slightest. Okay, I, I love to hear that. I love it. Um, okay, look, well, we are fast approaching... Uh, out of time um, we've got a lot of good draws to look forward to in the next round of the, the Premier Sports Cup well maybe not you Stevie but uh, certainly myself Jay and uh, Deck do um, thanks for that <laughs> you're welcome um, Deck Celtic uh, Wraith Rovers at home what are you thinking about that I mean we need to take them seriously Um I hope we don't go into it and, you know, overlook them. We've done that before. We've done Fairman and they took us to extra time where we narrowly got the job done. Um, I just think, you know, improvement. Every game is, has been has been so good to see and I hope we just continue that being a form. Um, take every game seriously and go into every competition, you know, fully focused. And if, if Ange, you know, he's up against it, with the the 
kind of decimated squad, shall we say, because, you know, compared to Rangers, we've, we've not got a lot of depth. And, you know, a couple of key injury, like a couple of key players getting injured could, could mean that we're, we're really on the back foot. But we've, we couldn't ask for a better draw, really, on paper. We just need to turn up and be professional and, and get the job done and keep moving and keep the momentum going for as long as possible. And you never know. You never know. At the end of the season, I still do think Rangers have too much, you know, in the ranks. They've, they've got a lot of depth, they've got quality. You know, you've seen that with Barisic going out, Bassey coming in and doing a job. Um, they're obviously linked with, you know, the boy from Heddenbean, is it? The £7 million player, midfielder. He can come in and maybe add something new, and you just you just never really know. There's still a bit of the window to go, and they could lose key players as well. But it's all about momentum, um, playing great football, and and bringing confidence and happiness back to fans' faces, and and that's all we can ask for from Manchester. So I hope we just we just go in with a, with a professional head to that tie. Um, Jay, what about yourself? Rangers versus Livingston, um, a repeat of the opening day of the season, or are you expecting something different? No be very much the same as the opening day. Livingston have never had the best of times at Ibrox. Um, yeah, I think we'll, we will have to ro- rotate probably, but I think we'll have enough to see us through that round. And in the semi-final, this could be a crucial competition for Stephen Gerrard. This is his seventh domestic run. Hasn't won any cups at all so far. And if our form doesn't pick up, you will quickly become that manager who has only won one trophy out of God knows how many how. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we could have asked for a better draw than that, unless it was Ray Frovers. <laughs> um, Stevie, going to give these last two to you. Who's won in Dundee, United or Hibs? Hibs. Hibs will go through in that one. And the Tayside Derby, I heard someone call it yesterday. I don't know if you can class Dundee versus St. Johnson as a Tayside Derby. Um, but I'm going to just because I know it'll annoy people. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that game, it'll go extra time. And uh, I think St. Johnson will edge it in extra time. Brilliant. Well, that's all we've got time for on the podcast today. We have covered all the weekend's action. We have looked ahead to the draw. Had some really interesting uh, topics come up and conversational points. Um, If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, then please do. You can do it on Spotify and iTunes, uh, as well as Google Podcasts. Um, And if you haven't already followed us on Twitter, it's at DeStefanoTalks. Guys, if you want to shout out your, your Twitter handle, Stevie, I'll go to you first. Sorry, mate, I wasn't prepared for that. If you want to follow me, you can do so at a different view. All one word on YouTube, and it's a diff view, Scott, on uh, Instagram. You just get me on Twitter at my usual, Stephen Reside. And, Jay, what about yourself? Yeah, if you'd like to follow me for some Rangers, Sopranos, and a lot of other content, it's just at Jay Blakeway. And, Dick, for yourself? I probably best found on Twitter at, at DeckHughes underscore. Brilliant. Uh, and yeah, as I said, at Destefano Talks on Twitter. We will be back next Monday. I will be in Greece recording this episode. But yeah, we will be back from 4pm on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcast.